me welcome you to the 2018 International Sportsman's Expo. This is our 41st year, and uh, we could not do it without you. So thank you so much for being here. You're at the Adventure Theater, sponsored by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. My name is Scott Watley. I'm the host of Sportsman of Colorado Radio. You can catch our show on Saturdays on KLZ 560 AM, and we are on Saturdays 1 to 2. We'd love to have you listen. Our booth is over here, 827. Uh, I'd love to meet you if you'd like to come by. How many of you have been to Chris's seminar before? I'm telling you, that's why you're back. So a lot of brand new folks, and you're in store for a great, great seminar. Um, I actually said this a couple of seminars ago when I was telling about the seminar. Chris is the smartest guy I know in this. So, man, take some notes. How many of you went elk hunting this year? How many successful? That's why we're all here. All right, this side, man, did anybody kill it off on this side? Okay, two. All right. Well, good deal. Well, Chris Rowe, again, I'm not going to take up any more of his time, but you're in store for a great seminar. We will have some time for some questions after. The Elk Calling Contest, the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation Regional Contest, will start at 4.30. We will have a meeting here at 3.30 just to make sure everybody's clear on the rules and all. Then we will get started at 4.30, and that will just go till it ends. Uh, we do have to end by 7, but you've got to register by 3 o'clock over here at the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation trailer if you want to participate in that elk calling contest. All right? Let's give Chris Rowe a good welcome. Thanks, Scott. Is this going to work? Can you guys hear me all right? All the way in the back? Thumbs up? Sweet. All right, because I don't want to be too loud. But uh, at the end, I'm going to probably be blowing some calls, so I will take this off, and I'll just use that stick microphone, and then at the end, when we have uh, questions or whatever, you guys can, we can just use that. So yesterday, I tried doing that the whole time, and I was just in and out, and it, was, it worked. It wasn't the greatest, but as long as you guys can hear me with that, we're good. All right, so I said there's just a handful of you have seen some of my previous stuff, so... If you have not, then let me take two seconds to give me a, give you a little bit of a background on me and who I am and, and what we're kind of going to dive into a little bit here. Professionally, I'm a wildlife biologist, behavioral ecologist. I work in the private sector with my own business. However, I've always been passionate about behavior, vocalizations, communication, and how, and for me, from a wildlife management standpoint, how can I use that information on the ground for my management prescriptions to make them better, more efficient, whatever. However, from a hunting standpoint, the more stuff that I understand is from a behavior standpoint, or I, the more I understand, whether we're talking turkeys, whether we're talking elk, the more I understand from a vocalization communication standpoint and behavior standpoint, the better I have become out in the field. And so I started building Row Hunting Resources. It's a website. You can go on, you can subscribe, and all the stuff that we're going to talk about today and just a pile more is all, it's all on the website. It's all video-based. So rather than me sitting here telling you you know, elk do ABC. I can say that all day long. Anybody else can too. What we do is say, okay, elk are going to do A, B, and C, and I'm going to show you the elk doing it. All right. So we're going to show some video clips at the end of this presentation, just to kind of make an example of what I'm talking about, so you can hear the calves, the cows talking like we're talking about. But it's all video based. So that way, you can see the elk doing it. You can see the behavior hear them doing the vocalizations and you can use it as a very important resource for practicing if you want to use call. So with that being said, how many archery hunters do we have in here today? Okay. 
How many muzzleloader? Couple. How about rifle? Alright, so we've got a we've got a good mix. Understand that a lot of the stuff that I end up talking about just by default is for generally guys and gals that are going to be hunting more in the early season. So like we're talking September, early parts of October. However, what we're going to be talking about today is absolutely beneficial for those people that are going to be hunting late rifle, even if you have a cow tag. So it's all going to be pertinent for no matter what method of take that you want to go, no matter what season you want to go. So when we get towards the end and you have any questions, if I have not dovetailed this conversation directly into your scenario, by all means, ask questions and we can dive into some of the, the extra stuff as well. But I'm going to try to make this as inclusive as I can for everybody, whether you're hunting, you know, you go to Utah and start August 15th, or whether you're talking about late November on a cow tag. Okay, make sense? All right. And then we'll have, kind of, we're going to try to make sure we have time at the end for questions and answers that way. So just kind of hold on to those. Um, and then I'll get through the presentation, show you the videos, and we can dive into what you guys want to talk about. So, are the elk not talking? That's probably one of the biggest questions I get every year is if we are in a difficult situation where the elk are just silent, they're just not saying much. Again, if we're talking about trying to use calls to, to locate and call in elk, if they're not talking, it can be downright tough to figure out where we need to be on that mountain, on that landscape, to figure out where the elk are. Now, if we're coming across and we're finding good sign, we got good wallows, we got good trails, we got droppings, we got, we've got fresh sign in the area, then it makes it a little bit easier. We, we know that we can say, okay, they're here, maybe I just need to sit down, be quiet, and just wait and let things un unfold. That's fine, but there's plenty of times, plenty of places, where we might go into a valley, or we might go up some ridges or whatever, and we're just not finding the sign, it's, it's, we just can't figure out where they are, and it'd be really darn handy if they would vocalize or at least respond to some of our calling just so we know where the heck we need to start, all right? That is the caveat that we're going to talk about with this. If they're not talking, what can we do? Well, for this one, cry like a baby. We're going to get into what we can do using cap vocalizations to help us, again, whether we're talking early September archery or whether we're talking about late November cow tag in late in the season. Alright, let's briefly cover a couple things with the fundamentals of elk communication and especially their vocalization. Now, I talk all the time on the website is that one of the fundamental principles that you need to understand is the see you first principle. From a communication standpoint, elk want to see communication. They want to see you first, hear you second, smell you third. Meaning, the vast majority of the the communication going on between elk is going to be body language, ear position, head position, neck position, how they approach one another, whether they arch their back to shoulders, it's all body position. If you have been around horses, if you've been around cattle, you know that there's always a pecking order, and most of the time you can watch those animals engage one another as they walk up to another, how they lay their ears back, how they come up. It's all body language and body language cues that they focus on. That is their primary communication me mechanism. When visual communication does not give them the information that they are looking for or need or want, then they will go to vocal communication. When both visual and vocal won't give them what they need, that is when, from a communication standpoint, they'll swing around or they'll use their nose and, and, and put the wind in their face and try to use their nose to, to cipher out what's going on. It's not, I'm not talking about from a safety standpoint. 
from a safety standpoint, that nose is key. They will, they will rely on that almost every single time right off the bat, okay? But from a, a, la a relaxed, calm, safe individual animal that feels no threat, the sense of smell is gonna be the last form of communication they generally rely on, all right? So see you first, hear you second, smell you third. Okay, sorry, Elver visual. The other part about that is adult animals are going to vocalize when there's a purpose to do so. Again, just like horses, just like cattle. Anybody have livestock here? Okay, a few of you. You know that generally when you walk out or you see horses in a pasture, they're generally not winning their heads off, all right? Generally, you drive down the road and there's a, there's a pasture full of cattle out there. Most of the time, not, they're not out there bellowing their heads off, right? Now, we go out there and we take the calves out of the herd. Now what are they doing? They're going crazy. Or we grab one horse out of that pasture. And the rest of them are like, where the heck is they? Where are they going? And here we go. Now they start vocalizing. There's something going on. There's a reason for that vocalization to happen. They just don't get out there and just vocalize for no reason. 99.9% .9 of the time, especially for elk, it has to do with activity in the herd or a change in the herd dynamic. Something going on within that group or the herd that they're in, all right? When you hear, especially if we're talking about cows vocalizing, when you hear cows vocalizing, they are up on their feet and they are doing something. There's activity there. There's something going on with that herd or there's something changed. So for instance, Maybe their calf, you know, got up and out of bed or whatever, and they wandered over and they drifted off a little too far. And the cow, the mother, can't keep visual eye contact on them as well. So she vocalizes to say, "Hey, where are you? Give me some, give me some feedback." Or they're moving from the bedding area down to a feeding area. They're going from a wallow across the ridge over this saddle. They're doing something. They're on their feet. They're doing something. All right. Again, because they are visually oriented. Most of the time, they are going to vocalize once visual communication does not give them the information that they need, all right? So there's, there's something going on. Or if the dynamics has changed, maybe they're all relaxed, no one's doing anything, but all of a sudden, this bull with his cows that are sitting here, all of a sudden has another bull and another group of cows, or maybe another group of new cows comes in, or just another random bull comes in. Now that has changed the dynamic of what is going on in this original group, now vocalizations can absolutely start happening, all right? But there's a reason for adults to vocalize, and typically it's when they're doing something. Now what about herd dynamics? We think about, especially across Colorado, public land, over-the-counter units especially. Now we've got a mix, you've got over-the-counter, you've got limited draw. Most limited draw units are managed to have a little bit higher bull-to-cow ratio which means there's a little bit better age class dis distribution of those mature bulls in there. So you got different ages. You can oftentimes in those units find these situations where you'll have a large or a more mature animal commanding control of maybe 10, 12, 15, 20 cows, a big group of cows, and then there's a multitude of, of maybe satellite bulls or younger age class bulls in the wings. We can also find that in certain areas on our over-the-counter units. Oftentimes more remote areas, backcountry areas, that type of deal. 
When you have that scenario, when you have a, a herd bull with a large harem and satellite bulls, there's almost always going to be lots of activity around that group. Okay, there's a lot of change going on around that group. The bulls pushing off other bulls. The bull, the bull is trying to maintain his cows in his harem. The cows are being pushed around. The cows are moving. There's a lot of cows in the group, so usually there's vocalizations going on. So when it comes down to us trying to locate them to find them, these situations can oftentimes be a little bit easier to find the animal. Now, it's not, I'm not even going to talk about the challenge of actually pulling in that herd bull, etc., per se. There's challenges with herd bulls and large groups of herons, absolutely. But from a location standpoint, a lot of times it can be easier to locate those animals. However, every year, more and more, I hear people talk, I see it when I'm out here hunting. We can get in those situations where we don't have large harems. We don't have older age class bulls. Essentially what we end up having is one bull here, four cows. One bull there, three cows. One bull, six cows. Oh my gosh, he's got seven. One bull, two cows, all right? And they're all, if you look at the bulls across that landscape, they're two and a half, three and a half, maybe, maybe four and a half year old bulls. They're all roughly the same age class, which means generally in our habitats, they all end up having the same body condition. They probably have a very similar antler conviction or configuration, which then means they're most likely all gonna be of somewhat equal stature. They always are gonna have a pecking order. Someone's gonna be boss, and someone, every time they have an encounter, someone is gonna either submit or dominate, okay? What would you rather do? If you have to go defend your ladies, you want to go and match wits with someone who's at least as good as you, at least as confident as you, or at least as aggressive or, or, or physically strong and, and dominant as you? Or would you just rather sometimes just say, you know what, I'm just not even going to mess with any of that garbage. I'm just going to take my ladies over here and I'm just going to do my own thing. We've got different elk on the landscape. Some I talk about all the time. Some are lovers and some are fighters. You, you do absolutely have certain elk that are just a more aggressive, more engaging type of animal. But there are a lot of bulls out there, especially the younger age class bulls, that this may be the very first year that they've ever had a cow actually choose them and want to be with them. So this is their first shot at, at, at holding these cows. They are absolutely happy with my three ladies. Yipper, I'm going to take my girls, I'm going to go over here, and I'm not going to say nothing because I don't want to get run off by another bull. I just want to keep my girls. If you look at some of the habitats across Colorado, especially in some of the areas that had the beetle kill, all right, there are some areas of beetle kill that just, you know, it's, it, maybe it's coming back in pines or whatever, and it's not that great, but there's other areas where that beetle kill killed the, the lodge bull, now it's just coming up in a sea of aspen shoots or grasses this tall. It is a sea of food. It's a sea of cover. It's a sea of sanctuary. And they might have water nearby. Those elk will burrow into that stuff. And why do they need to go anywhere? They may, on a daily basis for weeks, simply occupy an area of a couple hundred yards circular. It may be in a one little pocket on one little bowl halfway up the valley. They just burrow in and they don't say anything. They mind their own business and they never have to leave it. They've got everything in there they need. If it's one of those situations, all right, there's very little movement. Okay, well, if there's very little movement and that group is tightly knit and bonded, 
Well, there's very little need to vocalize. And quite honestly, again, if that bull is a lover, not a fighter, it may not be in his best interest to vocalize. So he hears another bull across the valley, or he hears your bugle coming down the ridge. Is it really in his best interest to vocalize a bugle back at you? Maybe not. He's happy with the three girls he had. This is the first time he's had cows. I'm just going to sit here and mind my own business. Same thing with cows. All right, now everybody talks about the reproductive drive of bulls. More the merrier. Guys, we know what it's like. To, we like ladies, all right? So more the merrier. Bulls want to breed as many cows as possible. However, from a cow standpoint, it's often overlooked. Cows do not have that same mentality. It is very personal. It's individualistic. I don't care if I'm a cow. I don't care if the other 200 cows on this mountain get bred and have a calf. I don't care. I don't care. I want a calf. I'm going to breed. I need to make sure that I am number one, that I get myself taken care of the way I want. All right? So, again, there's a herd dynamic. There's a dominant cow. There's a number two, three, four. How, there's a hierarchy in that herd. Again, doesn't matter if we're talking cattle, horses, elk, bison. There is going to be a pecking order. So if we've got a small group of cows, and she finally has that bull that she's happy with, that she can protect her, we're going to be in this little pocket, it very well may not be in her best interest. All of a sudden, here you are walking down that ridge and cow calling. Here's another group of cows. And especially, a lot of hunters will talk about, I want to sound like a large group of cows, maybe a large group of cows and calves. Well, if there's three or four of them here, and then all of a sudden they hear a large group of cows coming down the, the ridge line or up the valley, is it in her best interest to vocalize back and say, oh, we're over here? Well, if these four are happy and all of a sudden another four enter that group, the cow that's dominant in that small group, she may not be dominant anymore. She might be number four or five down the list. And now that there's more cows in that group, the odds are if, if she comes into season and there's a lot more cows in that group, is she going to be taken care of with, by the bull when she needs to? Or is she going to be off chasing other bulls? Or is he going to be off breeding another cow? So a lot of times it's not in these little tight pockets like this, it's not in the cow's best interest or the bull's best interest necessarily to respond to the calls that you're giving them. You're never going to make an elk do anything except maybe run away. But all you can do is put in their mind what maybe they ought to do or what they should do, what's in their best interest to do. All right. So in these situations, it's really necessarily in their best interest to respond to another adult elk vocalization. I say adult because calves are a whole different ballgame. Right? Calves are calves, kids are kids. Baby animals are baby animals. Baby animals oftentimes don't know any better. Baby animals like to play. Baby animals like buddies. Baby animals are oftentimes a lot more vocal. Okay? Same thing goes with elk. And we can exploit that behavior and actually do some positive work, if you will, from a standpoint of we want to call elk into us or we want to get a vocalization in response. Calves will cue off of the adults, all right? The reason why that's important is because if the adults themselves are on edge or if they feel threatened or if they are nervous 
or they just feel something's not right, you'll see them go absolutely quiet and they will communicate that to those calves and those calves are just right up next to their mothers. So they'll stand there and they'll just be dead stone quiet. They will pick up on the body language and the vocal cues from their mothers and just absolutely shut right down, all right? However, when the adults are relaxed, when the adults, the adults are safe, a lot of times those cows are gonna allow those calves to just go do their own thing. That's when you start having play, that's where you have start, the calves start talking a little more, and that's when you're gonna absolutely have noisy, rambunctious calves. The beauty of calf vocalizations, when you hear calves vocalizing, now like I said, here in a minute, I'm gonna play you some video clips and you're gonna hear them. The beautiful thing about calf vocalizations is if you hear calves vocalizing, the only time they're going to do that is when they feel safe. The only time they feel safe is when the adults feel safe. All right? So if you hear calves vocalizing, then that group that they are in is relaxed, it's safe, they're probably not going anywhere, not, not going anywhere too quickly anyway. All right? But more importantly, if we are going to use calf vocalizations, Again, every time we vocalize, every time we call, we are painting a picture in an elk's mind. We're, we're creating a scenario, a visual scenario of what that elk is going to expect, right? When we use calf vocalizations, we are painting a picture that whoever we're attached to over here feels relaxed, feels safe, we're not going anywhere, all right? That's a really good image to put out there four other animals we're trying to call to and hopefully get a response or hopefully have them come to our scenario, our calling scenario. So calf vocalizations can be an awesome way to start out our cold calling efforts. If we're going up a valley, we're on a ridge, we get to the saddle, wherever we are on our landscape, yes, there's, there's sign around, but it just, it's kind of scattered. I really don't know how to pinpoint these things. I'm just going to go over by this feeding area, or I'm just going to tuck myself in near this bedding area, or I'm going to sit over by this wallow, and I'm just going to start calling, just to try to prospect, just, to, just a bold calling effort. Again, oftentimes it may not be in the best interest of adult elk to vocalize, so maybe I don't start off using a bugle, maybe I don't start off using cow, mature cow sounding cow calls, all right? Maybe I portray that there's a group of elk here. We're quiet, just like all the other elk are right now. We're quiet, but we're safe, we're relaxed, we're not going anywhere, and our calves are over here playing, and so we can use those calf vocalizations, those calf sounds to start our calling effort. It's very plausible that the calves are gonna be making those sounds rather than the adults. It paints the exact picture that we want, that there are elk in this area, and those elk feel safe, they feel relaxed, all right? So it's a great way to start your cold calling efforts. If you are traveling, say you're going from this, you're just, you're covering country, you're trying to prospect, but they're not responding to your bugles, they're not responding to your mature sounding cow calls. Again, an adult on the landscape, if you think about our, now, for our bulls, if we look at the age classes of our, of our elk herd out there, in a lot of over-the-counter over units, if you be honest with yourself, a lot of the bulls we're chasing are two and a half, three and a half, maybe four and a half years old, okay? 
a lot of over-the-counter units are managed for opportunity, so there's a lot more tags. Generally, that means there's a lot more harvest, which keeps the population of the bulls age class generally low. Yes, you can have some survivors and get some older age class bulls mixed in there. However, generally you're talking about a younger age class of groups, okay? The cows, however, from when I started my undergraduate career and started my life down this path of wildlife biology management, I was fortunate enough to work on, for several years in the summer, Upper Eagle River elk study, and my job was literally to go up the mountain in the summer, camp over top of large groups of elk, and watch and listen and record behavior and, and cow-calf interactions. There was a study going on, and that's what we did, all right? It was awesome. You can't spend that much time and not learn something, number one. More importantly, those cows that we were watching had big radio collars, big alphanumeric placards on the side of the radio collar. They had unique uh, ear tags in each ear, so each animal was absolutely positively identifiable. We collared, or the researchers collared those animals as adults. And I can tell you that not only do we know that some of those collared animals, by the end of the set, we had animals that were 12, 15, or more years old running around the mountainside. Old, okay? So when you think about education, you know, people talk about this is a little side, you know, a little segue, but you know, people talk about, you know, oh, they're call shy bulls. You know, man, we're, we're hunting those real call shy bulls. Really? How call shy or how educated is a two and a half year old bull or a three and a half year old bull? However, I will argue, how educated is that 15 year old cow? She's been there, she's done that, and every time she vocalizes or that stupid bull of mine bugles his head off, then some two legged predator comes in and either he dies or he gets run off and then I've got to go find another bull somewhere. So no, I'm going to protect myself, I'm going to protect my group, I'm going to protect my selfish interest, and I'm not going to vocalize, I'm going to protect that bull and we're going to head out and leave. If they're moving across the landscape in their normal area, yes, the bulls probably have moved across this particular bench a number of times. The cows definitely have moved across this particular landscape year after year after year. They know exactly where they're going. They know where that bedding area is in relation to that feeding area. They know where that trail goes. They know if they go over this, they know everything on the landscape. Now let's think about a calf that's four months, five months old. This very, very well may be the exact first time they've ever stepped foot in this spot. They don't know where they're going. And so if they start moving through cover, the adults know where they're going. The adults can keep track of one another visually and they're comfortable and they're keeping their mouths quiet. But the calves, they start getting left behind. They start getting spread out. They start getting separated all of a sudden. Now the calves start vocalizing, trying to keep up with their mother, trying to stay in vocal contact because visual communication is not working again. They start vocalizing because they want to stay in contact. If we are moving across the landscape ourselves, and it's just been brutally quiet, and no one has been responding to us, rather than continuing to bugle, rather than continuing to use mature cow sounds, try using cat vocalizations. Again, it portrays safety, relaxation in that group. They, they feel secure, but the calves are curious. The calves are vocalizing. They're trying to stay in contact with one another. It's extremely plausible. It makes absolute sense that a calf would vocalize rather than an adult. Oftentimes, you can get an animal to respond back to you because I will tell you, 
Bulls do not care if you're a calf or an 18-year-old cow. If they are interested in cows and attracting cows and gathering more cows to them, they absolutely will respond to calf vocalization. All right? Now, the other thing, oh, sorry. The other thing, too, part about it is, again, we're talking about play. Baby animals love other baby animals, and it's just another play date and another buddy to play with. Puppies, are the, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. Calves are no different. So if a calf hears another calf, oftentimes, again, if, they, if they're in a situation where they're relaxed and feel safe, they hear another calf off in the distance, they're like, who's that? And they vocalize. Not the adults, the calf vocalizes. Where are you? All right? They give up the ghost. Now, even if we don't want to use calf vocalizations to bring ourselves all the way into fruition on this setup, now we heard a bam. There they are. They're, okay, they're not up in front of me like I thought. They're over here on, oh, they, 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 I bet you they're up on that bench. Now I can reposition. I can do whatever I need to do to get myself set up in that situation. But the calf or calves vocalized in response to me. They gave up that location. Again, very plausible. But if you can keep hammering those calf vocalizations and you can get a calf to come out and come to you, cows are programmed to protect calves, all right? They want to make sure calves are protected and safe. Let's talk about two scenarios, their calf versus a stranger's calf. Their calf, if all of a sudden we give some calf vocalizations and we get a calf to respond and that calf starts getting interested, we start calling that calf to us, which is absolutely a likely scenario. That calf comes tripping down the mountainside. Oftentimes, there's going to be a cow, whether it's the mother or whether it's a babysitter. We can talk about that in a minute, but you will actually have babysitter groups where one cow or two cows is watching over maybe 15, 20 calves. All right? So whoever's the babysitter or whoever's the mother is going to get up and go, Okay, where's Junior going? And she's going to slowly kind of come out and keep an eye on what's going on. If you can sucker a calf out, it's not unlikely that you're not going to sucker that cow out. You got a cow tag? Great. Done deal. If you've got a bull tag, just keep them coming. Just keep that moving your way because if he's a bull that is taking, that is monitoring that harem and he's defending that harem, he's not going to let his cows wander away too long without coming out and seeing what's going on as well. You very well can end up getting the entire group or at least a cow and that bull to move your way simply because you were able to pull that calf out of that group. All right. Now the other flip side of that, the beautiful thing about appealing to that maternal instinct is again the babysitter mentality. Other cows will, they won't let another calf nurse, but they will go in and help defend and watch over and protect someone else's calf. It's in the best interest of that herd to take care of those calves. So, because it appeals to the maternal instinct, it is very attractive to cows if they hear a calf vocalizing, especially, like we'll talk here in a minute about a lost calf call, or, or you sound like a calf that is separated from the group. But here's why it's even more important what I love about it is, it doesn't matter if there are four cows and one bull and they are tight-lipped, they, they, they don't want anything to do with anyone else. You could have 15 calves over here those cows, not only are they going to be wanting to figure out what's going on with those calves, but from a behavioral standpoint, 
haves are not threatening from a dominant status, from a social structure status, calves are not threatening to adult cows. They're not going to disrupt the apple cart on our little pecking order here. So it doesn't matter if the calves are calling. That's great. We don't care. We will go out and want to bring them into the fold to make sure they're safe, to make sure what's going on, or at least very, you know, if nothing else, at least to get up and make just what's going on. Check them out. All right. So in two ways, it is very attractive to cows, and you can actually sucker the cows out better with calf vocalization sometimes than you can if you're going to use mature cow sounds or for the bull, you're going to use bugles. All right. But again, you pull that calf, that cow out of the group. Be ready because a lot of times that bull is going to follow as well. One of the tactics, and I'm going to show you an example of it during an archery hunt uh, here at the end. That's what I was playing before. I'll explain it a little bit more. But for you rifle hunters, that is one of the best tactics or muzzleloader hunters that I can ever, ever impart to you guys. If it's late in your hunt and you're down to the wire and it's getting desperate, you've got enough, but you know maybe those elk are just buried in that dog hair timber or they're buried in that nasty stuff or you're just prospecting and have no idea where to go and, and where to find traveling across the landscape sounding like a distressed or separated calf is looking for someone can be an absolute outstanding way to get them to come up just i mean literally pop up out of the ground and come look at either stand and look for you or i've literally had them come storming down the mountainside trying to figure out what's going on with that calf again if you've got a cow tag done deal there she is boom thank you very much if you've got a bull tag especially later season, don't necessarily expect that bull to just come running down the mountain with those cows, but that's where you start looking back behind them. Where did they come from? And is he standing there, his head over top of the little pine, is he standing there looking, figuring out what's going on from a distance? If you've got a shot, just if you pay attention, yes, the cows are moving around you, yes, they've stood up. The other part about it is they're expecting movement, they're expecting something of this size. If you're moving, you moving is not instantaneously a bad thing. Oftentimes it'll take them a little bit to figure out, okay, that's not a calf. Oh, that's not the predator. Go, okay, oh, no, that's a bird. Oh, crap, that's a, okay, we need to move out. Sometimes that little hesitation is all you need. Go, boom, oh, there they are. Cool. Boom, thank you very much. All right? So using calf vocalizations is absolutely an, an unbelievable tool to get them to step out, either respond to you, Get the calves to move to you, get a bull to bugle to you, all right? Especially in those situations when it's a little, everything is being a little bit quiet. All right, I'm gonna segue here. I'm gonna show you, um, boom, here we go. All right, like I told you, on our um, website, it's all video-based. So this is an example of our gallery. So we've got foundation principles, basic education. Then we have recognition where it's the gallery, where it's, it's elk doing what elk are doing with no outside interference from humans whatsoever. It's just raw video footage of elk doing elky things. This is one of those videos. What I want you to listen to, and I'm gonna turn it up. I want you to listen to the calves that you hear vocalizing, but I want you to listen to the, the, the cadence I want you to listen to the inflection. I want you to listen to how it sounds. All right? That coming through back there, can you hear it all right? Uh. 
rocket. trying to get as many bulls as you lay eyes on them. And so I use lost calf 
vocalization to get this bull to respond and he eventually comes in. But what I want you to listen to is a lot of times when calves are separated and when they're given a loss view and they're trying to get someone to respond to them, we're not talking about play. Now the calf might be a little nervous, the calf is a little concerned, it might be downright scared. That's when you'll hear them drag out that high note a little bit more.
quick. I, I'm, this is probably going to be a question that comes up because it always does. Yes, I'm going to call as I move. And in this situation, because I am moving, because I'm calling, I'm sounding like a cat that is moving across the landscape looking for someone, I'm not, as a cat, concerned because I'm vocalizing loudly about making any peripheral noise. So in this case, I will absolutely, there's a stick, snap. I will step on twigs, I will knock, I'll kick some rocks, I'll step on groups of leaves. I will try to make noise as I'm moving. So that way they hear if another animal's off in the distance, even if they want to wait and not really respond immediately, they can hear. Okay, they hear that vocalization moving across the landscape, but in that dead space, they're snap. Crack, boom, snap. Okay, and they can hear that movement, all right? It adds to the realism of what you're trying to portray. excited 
that I heard, what, was, uh, somebody, somebody respond, okay, it, they heard response, where are you, where are you, I'm going to vocalize real quick, try to pinpoint it, and just like this, all of a sudden, that bull is coming in, I'm excited that someone's responding, oh, there you are, and you're, okay, here I am, here I am, here I am, and so I will continue that vocalization after that bull has responded, even if it's a cow that responds, I will continue that imagery at least a little bit to relay to them, I've heard you, I'm excited, I'm over here. Now, once I've done that and I know that I've either called loud, loud enough to where they've heard me or I've, they're absolutely on their way coming, then I can be quiet and let them come all the way in. But that's why when I, that bull bugled, that's why I called a little bit and now I'll go silent. Try to work them, use the calf vocalization to locate them, get a response. Normally, 
I'll talk about a targeted strategy where you open that channel of communication, then I'll switch over to more maybe uh, assembly news or some other vocalizations that that will do to get them to come in. Well, I did that, and the bulls just went off and they did their own thing and they just kind of vanished. So moving to a more mature cow sound strategy didn't work. And so I went back to the lost calf sounds, moving across the landscape, boom, here we go. Not only did he respond, but now he came in. So that's what I talk about, I'm like, all right, using that, having multiple tools in my toolbox, I'm gonna throw stuff out there in a plausible, realistic manner, but then I'm gonna evaluate, did it work or did it not? If it didn't, then I'm gonna adapt, I'm gonna change, I'm gonna do something else, all right? So the more tools you have, the more tools in your toolbox that you can employ for the task at hand, all right? So, we've got a little time. Who has any questions? Did I, uh, any profound questions? Any things that I missed or, or left? No questions? All right. This is down in Arizona. I guide down in Arizona, and again, I was helping a buddy of mine, so I was out looking. There was a couple big bulls in this area, so we are trying to figure out where they went. So that was down in Arizona, open pines country. However, I hunt all over Colorado. If you follow me on YouTube, uh, any of our many of my social media stuff, it's all on Row Hunting Resources. You can see I've got some of my public land hunts. I do the exact same thing here in Colorado. I've got to post this year's bull uh, that I did something very, very similar. So it doesn't, it, and that's a great question too. You know, where was it? Doesn't matter. If you are doing your calling based on a solid behavioral standpoint, it does not matter if you're in Arizona, Colorado, Washington. It doesn't matter if you're on private land. It doesn't matter if you're in heavily hunted over-the-counter units. It doesn't matter if you're in uh, a limited draw unit. Elk are elk, and elk vocalize like elk vocalize, and they communicate like they communicate. Now, you may see a manifested difference on how eager they are, how willing they are to run in in certain situations. But the vocalizations, the communication is all consistent and it all works the same. So don't ever feel that, well, it, 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 that only works over there or that only works in this situation. It'll work anywhere and I've got plenty of video on there to, to, to show it. I don't think he ever saw me. The question was, did that bull ever see me? No, and uh, this is another thing I show all the time. That's, I mean, first light now is, is they've got the, their cipher pattern, which is a good pattern. I love ASAP. ASAP will let you get away with so much stuff. I've got repeated videos where this is all I do. I will literally stop in the middle, and they will literally walk right around you. Sure. If, in those situations where the bull does come in and see me, what, what's, the, what's the result? A lot of times they will come in, and because that pattern is going to mess, it's going to visually break up your outline. They will come in and they'll try to figure it out. Now, sometimes they come in and see them, they're out and they blow, and they, they take off. But a lot of times they don't like what they saw, but they don't know what they saw, so they'll spin, they'll roll, they'll stop, they'll hesitate, look back, try to figure it out, and then they'll go. And can, can you, at that point, can you still vocalize it and at least bring it back? You sometimes can bring them back, or at the very least, have them do like that pause where he's like, all right, maybe I need to step out a little bit different, or maybe I need to get a different angle. Sometimes that's all you need to get a clearer shot opportunity. Maybe the first time he came in, he's blocked, he spooks a little bit, he's a little nervous, or he's unsure, you give him another couple, just a, 
and this is another discussion, but if that's the situation, what I will do is I will call to them, I will vocalize when they are distracted, when they're doing something. If he's standing there like this, with his ears pet, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything to him because he can he knows. But if he's doing this, I'm gonna vocalize because he doesn't he's gonna know it came from here somewhere. So if he's distracted, I will give him a real quick one to where he's like, stop, look. And sometimes, yes, if, I, if all you need to do is just keep him there, keep him there, keep him there, I will play with him until he just vacates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, vocalizations. All right. He's talking about, if you're talking about rifle season, uh, now I will say usually first season rifle, I would absolutely expect there's probably still breeding going on. Either the calves or the excuse me, the cows that did not get bred on their first cycle, or you can have those yearling animals that have good adequate body condition. If they've reached that point where they've got eight, nine percent body fat, they can actually cycle into season. So that's why you will have these spikes in these periodic bugling events into October and even into November. So don't think that for a minute for it, October is a great time to be calling, even during rifle season. But the beautiful thing about October, and as we move further into the fall, is that now the rut is generally over. Now the cows are, now they're mostly bred. Now I've been bred, I'm pregnant, I don't care about other cows, I'm good. So they start to brew back up, especially if we're talking mountain areas where they have set winter ranges, summer ranges, transition areas where they start to group back up. They start grouping back up, they want to gather, especially if they hear calves, absolutely, where, oh, there's calves with them, where are you? So always, absolutely, start with those calf vocalizations, especially during rifle season, play huge dividends, playing that maternal instinct. But you'll always pick up those young bulls, especially the younger age class bulls, because now, a lot of the mature bulls may have pushed off. They're not harassing the younger bulls as much. And now that's when you hear a lot of people going on. It's, it's the raghorns, because it's their time now. They're like, woohoo, I'm not getting beat up anymore. They'll still respond to it. One more. And I know you guys have to have a meeting on uh, the call and contact. You're probably in some of those beetle kill areas where now it's just absolutely just starting to come down. And it can be a nightmare to go through that area. So you've got just thick, impenetrable cover, and then you've got these open parks and open meadows. Now, sometimes those animals are going to be utilizing those meadows during daylight hours, which is awesome, because you can catch them as they're coming out. You can use that, if that's the case, use those calf sounds on the edge. I would not set on the edge of the meadow because any animal a couple hundred yards from there can see that they should see someone in there. However, back inside that dog hair stuff a little bit, it's plausible that A, a group of elk may be standing there pausing before they go out into the open meadow, but everybody feels relaxed, everybody's eating, the calves are playing. So it's plausible that that's where you might have some animals hesitate. Likewise, it's still in the thicker cover, so it's plausible that another calf may try to vocalize to keep track of the rest of the group. And then it is plausible from another standpoint, from, or from another, uh, elk, another elk's standpoint, that they may not be able to see the animals they're hearing because it's thicker back in there. So I'm going to step off of that meadow and use these calf vocalizations, especially the cold call. Now, if I know 
there's a meadow here, there's another one over there, and there's elk should be somewhere in between. If you can find a, a good trail that isn't just absolutely blocked, if elk are moving in certain trails, I will do exactly what I did right here. I'll just go, okay, this meadow looks good, the sign is kind of okay, I want to go check that other one, I'm going to use those calf vocalizations as I'm going from here to there. Again, it's plausible that that's what would be going on. The calf would be vocalizing in that area in that manner. So that's what I would do. Thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate it. Seriously, I know the, the uh, elk calling contest is coming up, so they're going to have a meeting here shortly. Uh, anybody that's going to be doing the contest, definitely stick around. I will be over by the elk tour. Thinking that you get if you gotta talk and visit a little bit. <laughs>